Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In August 2020, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is supporting Hungry for Music. Hungry for Music collects used musical instruments and gets them into the hands of underserved youth with a hunger to play. This month, we're donating 10% of Mastass revenue to Hungry for Music. For more about what they do and how you can help, check them out at hungryformusic.org. And if you'd like to participate in our sponsorship of music-related organizations, become a Mastass patron at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs, talk about songs. Oh, we sure do talk about songs. Welcome to episode 198 of the podcast oh. that bears our names. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me is the spin. Cinderella-ish co-host, really, <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. I love it. Spinderella, I, kick it I, up I, one time. Yeah, I don't think I can touch the hem of Spinderella's garment, whatever that garment may be, but thank you. Hello, Mark. Hello. Now, Sarah, if I'm not mistaken, and I know I'm not because we talked about it before we started, this episode comes to us from a listener request. Am I right? <laughs> you are right. Jessica has requested that we talk about some Dean Martin. Now, Mark, I don't remember if Jessica asked for the Dean Martin that we selected. She did. For once in our lives, we actually (laughs) did what the listeners asked. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, we're the worst, honestly. Uh, Actually, as you were um, introducing my Spinderella-oid-ness, I was thinking, should we have done a 98 degree song? And then I was like, is Dean Martin the 98 degrees of the 1950s? And then I was like, I should drink less coffee. <laughs> anyway, we are talking about Dean Martin's Ain't That a Kick in the Head uh, for reasons that really are not interesting, um, except that they're scary. I have had a mashup of Ain't That a Kick in the Head and Urban Dance Squad's Deeper Shade of Soul stuck in my head for 12 hours. It's it's not the worst sensation, but how about we hear a clip of just Dean Martin and then talk about it? Great. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. I've sunshine enough to spread. It's just like the fella said. Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the head. said ain't that a kick in the head now mark you know how i love um things that old men love (laughs) baseball civil war history some rat pack you also know that i love me some brass in a pop song but I am interested to hear what you think of this song, because this is one of those songs where it's like, I I actually could not get a handle on what appeals to me about it. Um, And I listened to it like seven times in a row because I love the song, but I was really having trouble 
articulating it. So uh, whether you like it or don't like it, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, and maybe I can find a handhold. So what do you think? Okay, well, first of all, I also love this song. And it's... I've been thinking, too, about why, and I have a three-part theory. Oh, good. Phew. One... I may need to borrow a part. (laughs) One, it just encapsulates a relaxed vibe that to me now epitomizes life in the 50s and early 60s and i think that my impression is that even as these songs were being made even as the rat pack was very popular they were mythologizing themselves as they went like there was always oh yeah there was always a sense of this is a lifestyle that we can all aspire to but only these five can actually attain and i think that the way that this song has a gentle swing the use of the horns dean martin's slightly drunken slurred delivery all of it just is redolent of that time period (laughs) literally yeah (laughs) so like if you lit a match near this song's exhaled breath everything would burst into flames although I feel like it is received wisdom that, at least at this point, Dean Martin had ulcers. So whatever highball he had, like in public, what had apple juice? Oh well, there you or go. Or iced tea. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it's interesting that you bring up the um, building the road of their mythology while they were driving on it, because I think one of the things that we as a culture enjoy about them is not just the face they presented, but going behind the facade. Like, both of those are equally rewarding mm. to cultural consumers. Well, and for me, I I know the legend so much more than I know any of the products that created the legend. I've never yeah. seen a Rat Pack film. Don't? Yeah. Bad. I mean, I feel like the Ocean's Eleven that I need to see is the one that Steven Soderbergh made. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, possibly 125 times, like your co-host. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine always in my mind Don Cheadle saying, oh, leave it out. (laughs) Leave it out. 10 says he shorts it. 20. Oh, God. That movie's so good. Would watch. So fucking good. I would watch it right now. Like, I'm going to pause this recording. I am watching it right now in my heart. (laughs) Denim like the gene. But the more that I think about this song, the more I also think, well, these songs wouldn't be songs that we still listen to and that Michael Buble builds his career on if they didn't have something going for them. And that easy swing and that combination of bombast that comes from having all of those horns and the the, the bombast of the horns mixed with the easy tempo of the rest of the song is actually kind of interesting because, you know, you think of big, loud horn blasts and there's a way in which you can imagine, oh, well, that means that this song is like fanfare of armies marching in or whatever. But there's there's just something very um, relaxing, weirdly enough, about the way that this is being about the way that these songs work. Um, I have completely talked myself into a corner. What I'm trying to get at is these songs are loud and have personality, but they also feel relaxed and inviting. And there's so much aggression in the way that contemporary pop music is created and distributed and performed that this laid back uh, vibe is 
also feels pretty distinct to me and I enjoy it. And the final thing I will say is the lyrics to these songs. And I say that these songs as a group, because they were all essentially written by Sammy Khan, who wrote the lyrics to this song. Uh They're just, they're clever. You know, uh, the room was completely black. I hugged her and she hugged back. Like the sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in the boat? (laughs) Like, I just love, and Dean Martin's phrasing like, I mean, the myth is that he's drunk. So the phrasing has to be real easy for him to sell it in theory. Right. But I think part of my enjoyment, I mean, before I branch off, did was your thought completed? Yes. Well, let me also say, I think I might need to strike everything I was trying to say about the, the sound of horns from the record, because I'm not sure that that point made any sense. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, the editor, will be the judge of that. Um, I'm also about to be possibly even more nonsensical, but going back to the myth of Dean Martin as like this sort of good time Charlie number two guy um, who like nobody's really paying any attention to, the the phrasing of it is very delicate and elegant. Like like the sailor said, quote, like just that the split second that he pauses so that you understand that quote, like a quotation is now beginning from the sailor. Right. I mean, it's like a, it's like a little thing, but that's uh, I think the sort of not tragedy of Dean Martin. He fucking did fine for himself, but the part of Dean Martin's um, uh, I don't know, possibly the sadness of his career was sort of living in this stereotype. And always being behind someone else, mm. like Martin and Lewis. Like, it, you know, what's his name first? I guess I am completely estranged from that product because Jerry Lewis can't, can't do it. But, like, he's the straight man. The Rat Pack. He's like the sort of drunk, whiffy guy. I mean, there were way more useless people in the Rat Pack, and... I think people who felt much more estranged from the aspirational, like white cishet male, um, shabadoo existence <laughs> that basically only Frank Sinatra really led, and everybody else was just trying to trying to eat. Mm-hmm. But there's something about Dean Martin, like I, I just think he's not respected enough like everybody still knows who he is everybody has this idea of him you could describe him to a police sketch artist easily i used to sit in front of the infomercials for the dean martin celebrity roast for hours in the middle of the night i found them extremely soothing all these people in blue brocade getting wasted and making fun of each other love it but he was really quite a good actor and quite a good artist as a singer like his his instrument is really beautiful like i think mm. at this time in their careers his voice was nicer than sinatra's sinatra's was like a sort of platonic secondary memory of what his voice used to be and look i love sinatra we've established this but I I just wonder, like, I wonder how much of that 
existence as an artist for Dean Martin went into this song because there's something about that line. What is the line? If if I were any happier, I'd be sad. Yeah, like, hold on. I have the lyrics in front of me. He sort of sneaks it in because there's this big like ending crescendo in the song, which is like, it's not that long. I clipped like a third of it and it still wasn't that much. Um, oh, here it is. I couldn't feel any better or I'd be sick. Tell me, yeah. oh, quick. Oh, ain't. Tell me quick. Oh, ain't love a kick. Ain't love a kick in the head. Yeah. And just the way he pronounces like in this particular rendition of the song it's a little hard to tell what he's actually saying he could be i couldn't be any better or i'd be dead because that would rhyme he sort of slides sick out to be a, more of an eh sound mm-hmm. i'd be sick so it's a little hard to tell what he's saying and that that line is a little like it's a little sort of downbeat and gothy and rueful and i think that he is being that in the middle of this like peppy let's all do a rumba or whatever the fuck people were doing back then that it i don't know it's interesting like i always feel like he is the one to watch in the background of things because he's thinking and doing something that's a little less good time charlie than his reputation and a little more thoughtful and a little more rueful maybe Mm. well i mean this is not a rueful song but just that one line that he's like yeah everything's going great until it isn't anyway here's the end and you're like okay dino you all right but there actually is something rueful in about the whole song in the fact that a kick in the head isn't nice and no, a hole in the boat. A hole means in the boat means the boat is sinking. And there's <laughs> yeah. there's there's this little even though the the mood of the song is really up tempo, there is something about okay, this is me perhaps adding way too much onto the song, but here we go. I have we met? <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> you know, you're living this life of a rat packer where you are presenting a very popular, very powerful masculine image to the world. You have figured mm-hmm. out how to have that perfect blend of style and uh, 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 lack of an effortlessness. Like you want to yeah. look good, but you don't want to seem like you've put any work into it because that's reads as feminine. You know, if, right. if you you've care- also got a little danger there. Yeah. If, if, if these aren't guys who won't hit you. Right. Exactly. So if you spend too much time fussing over your appearance, then you're not masculine enough. And if you right. seem too non-threatening, then you're not masculine enough. But if you also seem too mm. protective of your masculinity, then you're not masculine enough. So yes, it's like yes, yes, yes. There's this like masculine ideal, heterosexual, cisgendered masculine ideal in the rat yes. pack of these guys are so perfectly masculine that they look great without really trying. They're relaxed and fun because they know they could kill you if they had to. They don't have to prove anything. Their masculinity like, is the only masculinity in the entire Western culture that isn't in danger. You know, they're so and yet uh-huh. and yet inside of that, in this swinging song, you have him falling in love and it's tantamount to being kicked in the head and sinking his boat. Yeah. So and like at the center of it, the maintenance of this image has given Martin an ulcer. Yes. So there's the fact that encountering genuine feeling even though he says the rest of my life is going to be beautiful if i keep feeling this way it's also going to really destroy everything i have built because 
loving someone is vulnerable and it's feminine, quite frankly, in the way that our culture constructs it. Like when you love yeah. someone, you are vulnerable to them. Therefore, you have uh, tapped into your femininity in a way that the Rat Pack isn't supposed to. So now I have a lot more to say about this on than I ever thought I would. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think they're, I think that in a lot of these songs and like, I think that Sammy Davis songs get like, get the, um, get the two faces like attached to each other and they're just facing different directions. If that makes any sense. Like it's more of a Janice Mm. situation where it's like, here's the public, but then you go around to the other side of it and the face is like. Uh, you know, I am being like tokenized every minute I'm alive. Right. And the situation is exhausting. And Frank Sinatra is actually just, just an asshole who can sing. And I'm so tired. (laughs) So, so very tired. And then I think the rest of them have a version of that. I'm sure like Joey Bishop, I don't know thing one about Joey Bishop, except that he existed. Right. Peter Lawford married a Kennedy. He's got a whole bunch of fucking problems now. But I, you know, this is part of the, this is part of the pop culture image burden, I guess. Like, not that anybody's going to feel sorry for these guys necessarily, except Sammy Davis, but he does, he does get a lot of that um, ambivalence and exhaustion around having to maintain this aspirational image of white cishet masculinity. Yes. That like, again, not that I'd feel sorry for them, but it does seem pretty exhausting to be a man and drag around all the shit that society has been telling you for years that you have to drag around. I mean, it's the same for the ovarian Americans, but yeah. So I guess Dean Martin was accidentally a cultural semiotics. (laughs) Well, and one of the things that's so interesting about this, because I think that you're right. And I think even if we're not conscious of it, that is what gives these songs a little bit of their energy. Because we know that we're listening to a performance and maybe sometimes, maybe most of the time, we appreciate the performance for being such a perfect performance. And there's something charming that we've been trained culturally to think is charming about this kind of guy. But on some level, yeah, on some level, some part of us knows that this charm comes with a cost. It comes with yeah. a cost for the people who create it. And it comes for a, at a cost for the people who have to endure its repercussions, like queer people, like women, like people of color, like everyone else. So it's yeah. interesting to <laughs> okay, every what literally everyone who was not one of the five or six of them. Yeah. You know, I, this is a Good bit work, of a, everyone. <laughs> this is a bit of a sidebar. But just this week, I finished reading a novel called The Topeka School by a writer named Ben Lerner. And it is about a group of young men in the late 90s in Topeka trying to figure out how to be alive. And it's a great book. And he has this one section where he talks about. Uh, the fact that the performance of being a white, able-bodied, heterosexual man was um, 
was so warping to the soul that even when you are generous to someone, you are often generous in a way that reinforces that your dominance. And his example was right. any, if there is a person of color or a woman who has a physical impairment in a school or a mental impairment, those people tend to become the potential targets of sexual predators and physical violence. But the newsreel footage that we see of the one kid with mental uh, incapacity who is allowed to play the last 30 seconds of the basketball game because he was sitting on the bench for the whole season. And then he, they, they let him have 30 seconds where he could play the last shot of the game. And then the team hoists him up. And it's always a white guy that gets to play that role in the narrative that the culture spins about this type of generosity. And it's because that right. generosity actually just reinforces the fact that white able-bodied maleness is the goal. And so it's quote unquote generous to let someone approximate it as much as they can. And, Oh yeah. And so it was a, it's a really provocative, interesting point that he says much better than me, but it all brings me back to the fact that basically we, we want people to perform the Dean Martin-ness all the time. (laughs) And like, and it's just the the pressure that we put on people who can't perform it, the people the pressure we put on people who can. It's really interesting. And so how remarkable that in the midst of all of this, we have these light as a feather, really charming songs that have so much uh verbal elan and vocal skill. Like, isn't it interesting that this really light, lovely art came out of such a heavy place in our culture? Yeah. And I mean, I'm put in mind of that RuPaul quote, which I always get wrong, but it's like, well, you know, you're naked when you're born and everything else is drag. We're all born naked and the rest is drag. Yes. Yeah. Like, which is true of everybody. Um, And it's just so, I mean, it's interesting that like, this you know i think even within the rat pack you have these aspirations that like within the rat pack the goal is sinatra Mm -hmm. who's this like scrawny italian from new jersey who you know like it's just interesting the way that these modes um change but then don't really change that yes it's sort of like exhausting to be everyone and like can we can we all just have that moment together as a culture where we're taking off our makeup like uh glenn close at the end of dangerous liaisons yes <laughs> like, let's just it's it's fucking hard out there for everyone and i don't i would love to I well, and that's to... actually, you've just reminded me. So, okay, Sammy Khan, who wrote all of the lyrics to so many of these songs, wrote Ain't That a Kick in the Head with James Van Heusen. And it was James Van Heusen who took Frank Sinatra to the hospital after Frank Sinatra slashed his wrists in a suicide attempt after he broke up with Ava Gardner, which is just a reminder that even Frank Sinatra could get real messed up. Yeah, even Frank Sinatra could get real messed up. All right, before we wrap this up, I would like to put out a call to listeners. Um, once again, 
much like we're always putting Alison Krauss on cover versions of things, I'm always like, could someone please direct me to the following academic treatise? It doesn't exist. Please write it. Here's my email. I would love to hear the perspective of drag artists in the drag king space. And I would love to know how much the Rat Pack is in that space. Yes. And is considered seminal in that space. Because I do not know shit about the drag kingdom. So that that would be a super interesting thing for me to learn about. Listeners, if you have recommendations, Mark, if you have recommendations, the universe provides. Well, uh, there is a drag king named Murray Hill, who is one of nice. the the most famous drag kings in the New York scene. I have and heard of Murray Hill. Murray Hill totally uses the slightly askew bow tie aesthetic. Mm, yeah. If I may give a synecdoche for the entire thing that we're talking about, it's a bow tie that is slightly askew. <laughs> or it's like that undone tuxedo tie. Yes, exactly. That's what yeah. I actually was trying to say. Yes. But yes, I would love to hear more about the the relationship to drag kings and the Rat Pack imagery. I also want to bring up, before we go, I it's interesting to note that Sammy Khan is or was Jewish. So again, you have another person who would have perhaps been considered on the outside of this, who ends up giving the language to the, the dominant culture. Like he put the words into the mouths of these men. And that is um, fascinating. I was going to say, quote, ain't that a hole in the boat? Um, can we talk about the fact that for years I confused Sammy Khan and Roy Cohn? <laughs> we, we really should never speak of that again. <laughs> oh, I mean, here we are. Genius monster. <laughs> Genius. One of them wrote, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, and love and marriage, married with children theme song. Another helped create a system of repression and oppression that continues to haunt the American polis to this day. Which yeah. was which? Oh, well, with that... Um, <laughs> Thank you, Jessica, for bringing this song to the table because this was such an interesting discussion and it was a treat to hear this song and it was a treat to dig deep into its corners. And again, let's just forget everything I was trying to say about those horns <laughs> earlier. I mean, the song is supposed to make you horny. That's the point of pop music. So so I guess euphemistically you could say this song really makes my tuxedo tie go askew. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a tie untire? Yeah, it's, it's a, a cummerbunder. It's, it's, bund it's a cummerbunder. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, Dino. Make yourself comfortable. Ooh. Make yourself comfortable. I've got some records here to put you in the mood. The phone Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 
to become a supporter and producer of the podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastass. And as always, thank you for listening. To leave some time for this To hug a hug and kiss a kiss now Take off your shoesies, dear, and loosen up your tie I've got some kisses here, let's try one on for size Mark and Sarah talk about songs, talk about songs Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.